Looking for a fun way to win 25 times your money this football and basketball season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com/play100 and use code play100. That's code play100 at prizepicks.com/play100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to Red Inco. I'm Jared Kimber. This podcast has adverts, but if you prefer your podcast without, in the show notes you'll see the link to my Patreon page and you can listen to our chats uninterrupted. Patreon also comes with many other benefits as well, including a Discord channel and private chats with me. But now, the show. This episode of Red Inco is on Bangladesh's new look, and so we got the doyen of their cricket journalism to come on and chat to us. My name is Mohammad Isam. I am the Bangladesh correspondent of ESPN Cricket Info. We talk about their athleticism, Litton Das's improvement, Najmal Shanto's fielding, Mahidi Hassan can bat now, Tawhid Ridoy's hitting, Ebedot Hassan's athleticism, Taskan Ahmed 2.0, Hassan Mahmoud's middle overs, and whether this is another false dawn. I couldn't think of a better person to get on here. Not only are you the doyen of Bangladesh cricket, new book coming out, or new book out if you're in Bangladesh and for the rest of the world to have to wait. But there's something I noticed, and I think I sent you messages of this during the game, and you probably, I know you listen to TalkSport occasionally, so you probably heard me banging on about it there. The Bangladesh team has gone from slow, turgid, slightly rotund cricketers to one of the most athletic teams in the world in a very, very small window. And I couldn't think of a, of a man more in tuned with modern athleticism than Muhammad Islam to come on <laughs> and take us through that. Is this partly just because it's a younger team or has something changed a little bit in Bangladesh cricket? Because these don't look like quite the kind of cricketers we're used to seeing. This was under the radar for a while. This whole, um, the thing that we saw in the T20 series, this athleticism, this really surprising fielding performance. Um, this was very surprising for everyone. In the in in Bangladesh, uh, not just the crowd, not just the weekend crowd. It was it was very surprising for the journalists as well who covered this team. Um, but it wasn't a huge surprise for people uh, within the system. Uh, people like the fielding coach uh, Shane McDermott or or the captain Shakib Alasan. Um, Shakib has said that uh, they have been trying to get there. They have tried, and and trust me, they 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 really do try a lot. But they have been failing so miserably in fielding for a long time that uh, they've, they've, they've dropped, you know, hundreds of catches in the last two years, especially since Jan 2021. It, it has been a really hard time for them as a fielding unit. Um, this athleticism was always there, but they just needed a platform to express themselves. Um, the England series was uh, very backs against the wall sort of, sort of oh, T20 series for them. 
England are the world champions and they had Bangladesh had literally nothing to lose here. So I saw that uh, they had some plans in place, some slightly different plans, and they executed it beautifully in, in Chittagong, in Chattagong and Mirpur. So it was <clears throat> very refreshing to see. It was a wonderful uh, feeling from uh, guys like Nazbul Hussain, Shanto, Afif Hussain, um, Tohid Rida. They are the best fielders in Bangladesh at every level. Um, they have come through the under-19 system. They are good fielders in and out of the circle. Um, Shanto is a very good slip fielder, but um, again, we've always heard about him being a good slip, slip fielder. This series, in the one-day series, I think you've noticed that he took a few catches in the slips as well. So, and, and, you know, slip catching in Bangladesh is very underrated because, you know, fast bowlers don't bowl at all. And in the last two years, Taskin has created so many opportunities in the slips and, you know, gully region that they have had to take those catches. And now they're coming through. So it was wonderful to see fielders running around, not just running around, just seemed like they were having ropes with them, you know, when they were covering the ball. And it was brilliant to watch. Well, I mean, Shanto is a great place to start. He, I think he took two really good slips um, catches, but he also took almost took, he, he dropped it, but it was an incredible effort on the boundary. Uh, one-handed effort above his head. It looked like Ben Stokes, That's a smaller Ben Stokes, but, you know, but, and he, yeah. he was throwing himself around. Mahidi Hassan threw himself around a couple of times. Ridoy threw himself around, you know. There's so many players. But the, the thing when I started looking into this was when, you know, I gave Litton Dust my most improved player award, right? And when you're yeah. going through the photos of Litton Dust, it comes up with the older photos of him, right? He now looks like he's got a boxer's frame, right? He's broad shoulders, you know, nice strong arms, but, you know, that sort of V that comes in. That wasn't the Litton Dust that I remember watching, you know, a couple of years ago. He was never unathletic, but he wasn't also someone that you noticed that there was something different. So when I was writing about him improving, it's quite clear that he had improved every part of his physique. And when you see something like that in a cricketer, you start to realize that it's not like a luck, luck of form or anything. What else? Do you know what I mean? He's been going through yeah. his career step by step trying to get better. And he's the noticeable one because... There's a before and after of him. Whereas a lot of these other guys we're talking about here, they're younger players coming into the side, or even Ebedot. I know Ebedot's a little bit older, but again, they're coming into the side, they look athletic. But there's clearly something that has changed. So beforehand, would you say that fitness was maybe not the biggest driver for Bangladesh cricketers? It wasn't the biggest motivation. I can I can tell you that quite uh, quickly off the bat. But I think I think what happened was that they were quite they were an okay uh, side in terms of fitness, but they were getting injured a lot. Uh, they they had had those moments, and I think at at one point towards the end of 2021, when they were losing everywhere, and especially after the T20 World Cup disaster, where they lost to Scotland, nearly lost to Oman, nearly, and then they had a really bad time in the Super 12s. Uh, Liton got dropped. Uh, Mushfiq was also Mushfiq Rahim was also dropped, and they all had to react in some way. I think. I think Leton's reaction was probably the best one. He, you know, he went back to his home hometown, uh, way down, way up north, um, in a place called uh, I think it's called Dinajpur, and there he, you know, took his time. He played uh, a first-class match. He was dropped. I mean, Leton Daj being dropped was a big deal in Bangladesh at that time. He wasn't out of form, but he looked slightly, you know. Um, a little jaded or something, and 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 quickly he turned around and he scored runs against Pakistan. Then in New Zealand he looked like a very natural sort of a, a you know a very an older version of Liton Das. But he had given me a couple of interviews in the last couple of years where he said that 
um, one of the biggest changes in his life after he was, you know, his initial years where, uh, you know, he, he under, underperformed a lot in the first couple of years and then he got dropped for a long time. He said that there was a time when he thought he could play six shots of one ball and now he thinks that, okay, I can play only two shots. He just limited himself. You know, he just made sure that he doesn't have too many things in his mind. And I think after the 2021 World uh, T20 World Cup, he really reassessed his whole career and realized that, uh, you know, he has to become fitter. He has to, I, I think, I think that push towards the gym or towards fitness came at that juncture in his life. And it was a juncture for a number of players. Um, Shanto wasn't in the picture in white ball cricket at that time. And he wasn't really doing great in, in red ball too. Media San Miraj was being, you know, was a one dimensional, only home sort of home uh, player. Like he would only play in Bangladesh. He was an off spinner who wasn't going anywhere. So he added batting to his repertoire. He added his, you know, he, uh, you know, up, upscaled his fielding. And number of other players that we hardly notice. I think that's a huge advantage to these players that media and the fans, they're all so obsessed with the guy with guys like Shakib, Tamim, Mahmudullah, Mushfiq, Mashrafi. Mashrafi is still not is no longer playing in the national team. But the whole country is obsessed with these five players, you know, either abusing them or praising them. And in, in under the radar, this this team has emerged. And many of them see these players as heroes, but I think they're not obsessed with them in the way that we all are. So it's lucky that uh, they focused on the right things and now they have come up at the right time with the World Cup just nine months away. The United States Border Patrol has exciting and rewarding career opportunities with the nation's largest law enforcement organization. Border Patrol agents enjoy great pay, outstanding federal benefits, and up to $20,000 in recruitment incentives for newly appointed agents. If you are looking for a way to serve something greater than yourself, consider the United States Border Patrol. Learn more online at cbp.gov careers usbp. That's cbp.gov slash careers slash USBP. Looking for a fun way to win 25 times your money this football and basketball season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com/play100 and use code play100. That's code play100 at prizepicks.com/play100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. So Shanto's an interesting one. He's already one of my favorite players based on every ever time I'd ever watched him play, he'd never made a run and suddenly He's doing everything right. I I love the fact he bowls, he throws himself around the field, can catch in the slips, and I thought he batted really well at times against England as well. He was on his way to having one of the worst records in the history of international cricket. Wasn't he averaging something like 19 on combined one day in, and, and test match cricket? Like, I mean, he was struggling really, really poorly before this. He's, he's still only 24, so clearly there was always talent there, but the player I saw play against England shouldn't have been averaging, you know, in the teens in test cricket or whatever it was, 20-odd in, in one-day cricket. He's a lot better than that. 
Absolutely. He was a schoolboy prodigy who went through the under-19s and uh, he was given a break in a test match in Christchurch uh, six years ago. Uh, it was just completely out of line to play, push him there. And I think I think these uh, incidents really play into a, into a young cricketer's mind. I mean, <clears throat> he wasn't ready at that time. They were just they just picked him for a development uh, position just to see how dressing rooms are. And then he plays his debut test in Christchurch. There were some injuries there, so he had to play. And I think uh, it took him a while to understand everything at this level. It took him a really long time. Um, and then 2021, he scored 100 against Sri Lanka, one against, I think, Zimbabwe. And then, you know, he started to feel a little better about it. But then white ball cricket was going away from him. And again, as I said, that 21-22, I think that Mount Manganui test match made a huge difference to this team. That winning that test match, Shanto didn't really do a lot in that test match, but he was the most vocal player. I remember, like, I used to, it was very easy to follow him because there was no crowd at the ground and there was no, you know, sound where I was watching from in Dhaka. So I could only hear him every ball. And he was slowly growing into this role of, see, he had, I think, leadership roles in, in age group cricket for a long time. He has been touted as the next big, th next big thing among many next big things in Bangladesh for a very long time. Now he's living up to it. And the record that you talked about, it was horrible. It was, I think it was averaging 15 in the top three. Uh, with a number of innings under his belt. He wasn't scoring runs. It was everyone knew how to get him out. You know, just bowl outside the off stump, he's going to he's going to throw his bat at it. But I think now he has uh, understood that there is a lot more to do other than, uh, you know, edging the ball. And so good to see him uh, do well. I think I think one of the better things about him, which I'm already find, finding out from, from watching closely, is that he's a, he's, he is a test player who can adjust to T20s already. So I think, um, I mean, I don't want to, you know, push him up already, but I, th I think this is where this is where Bangladeshi cricketers have to be because there's such a little talent pool right at the top that you you need a Shanto to bat at three in the test and T20 and ODI. Uh, so you don't have a lot of number threes in Bangladesh. I mean, there is, but but selectors and all they don't really pick a lot of players who you know are specialized in certain positions. So I think Shanto. Shanto has a lot of catching up to do in terms of his numbers, averages and all, but he's a very good cricketer. And the fact that he's bowling, he's fielding so well, I think that that is a, that that makes a huge difference um, to his own mentality where he, um, you know, he wants to be involved. He's that sort of a character. I, I, think, I think in the first T20 I noticed, I think after a long time I noticed that Bangladesh fielders were running to their positions. I heard from one of the umpires the other day. He was he's doing the third ODI, third T20, I beg your pardon. And he said that usually what happens when, um, you know, the umpires, they, when they tell Bangladeshi captains that, you know, you're five minutes behind or three minutes behind, they'll just look at the umpire and say, oh, we'll, we'll cover it. This time, apparently, when they told Shakib, uh, first he told uh, the bowler, Hassan Mahmood, the fast bowler, you run to your run-up. You don't walk. So he didn't do it for the first ball. He gave him a rocket. And then Hassan Mahmoud bowled two overs running back to his mark. So I think having a sort of a Shakib-like character at the top of the T20 team also helps these guys. You know, they can be themselves because Shakib doesn't bother anyone off the field. Shakib is all about on the field. He's Shakib Al-Hassan off the field. There's a different Shakib Al-Hassan. So there's no pressure of that. Um, even in the one-day side, you have Tamim Iqbal who takes care of the you know the players in 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 a very different way. He you know he you know uh, mentors the players and he understands their problems. 
so i think it's a good good leadership mix and i think um bangladesh are actually with with guys like shanto going in the right direction well i mean shanto i love that you think you play t20s i think you're being very optimistic there but i suppose in bangladesh you know <laughs> Maybe his strike rate won't be as big of an issue as it might be in other places. But I'll be interested to see how he develops from that uh, point of view. Um, Mahedi Hassan, you, you mentioned really briefly before, oh, he's upskilled his batting. Now, okay, I could tell you to go and upskill your batting. That doesn't mean that, you know, that's why you never play for Bangladesh, right? Because you couldn't bat. <laughs> Brilliant, Bob. I don't know how many people know Mohammed uh, uh, Isam, you know, abs, you know the, the man who tamed KP in the Nets. One of the 10,000 international quality left arm finger spinners from Bangladesh at any one time. But but Mahedi Hassan, he come, sort of breaks onto the scene as an off spinner. Does really well. As you say, quite quickly, it feels like he's Bangladesh only, right? Since then, he's got a lot better. Um, he was, weirdly enough, they left him out of that first T20 the other day, despite the fact England have a million left-handers. But that's a conversation yeah. for another day. How did he improve his batting? Did he show any batting talent when he was younger? Because he came into the team really young, and I'm wondering if it's a bit of a Dan Vittori or even, you know, dare I say it, a Richard Hadley uh, type of tale where once you're in the international cricket for five or six years, if you start when you're very young, you suddenly have access to all these coaches trying to help you, right? So it doesn't always work. I mean, Glenn McGrath didn't get any better. Well, sorry, he did get better, but not enough that anyone cared. But in Mahedi Hassan's case, you have a look at it and you're like, yeah, there's something to work with here or was it a case when he was younger he could bat a little bit but because he got picked so early his batting hadn't developed at that point it's both and you're gonna love this story so maybe is the sort of character you want to write about he um as we all saw 19 wickets against england he was a very big deal at that time but then we quickly realized that you know he has to really get better to they you know, bowl better in every condition he batted in number five and six in under 19 cricket he was quite an important batter at that level but then, you know, uh, with bowling, he didn't really get a lot of chance in the nets. So around 2018, um, he was given a lifeline of sorts. He was in the one-day team, and uh, they were looking for openers in the Asia Cup that year. And then he raised his hand. He said, well, I can give it a try because everyone was failing. So he gave it a try. In the final, he added, like, I think 100-plus runs with uh, Liton Das. But then everyone quickly forgot about it and said, no, 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 it's ridiculous. He cannot open the batting. We have so many openers. Because Tamim came back, and then Tamim and Liton opened. Um, then uh, the same problem, you know, came up in uh, in T20s recently last year, where you know there were so many openers tried seven or eight pairs, no one was you know working, and then someone came up with the grand idea that okay, let me let us try with him. This is where Mehdi Hasan Miraz's character came through. So earlier in 2022, he was still batting very well. In a in a in a one day against Afghanistan, the Bangladesh were 45 for six. Mehdi Hassan Miraj and Afif, they just won the game, chasing 220. Um, that fighting quality, everyone noticed. No one really, you know, gave it a, a lot of, you know, chance because it, it's a sort of, it's quite lame sometimes. Like, there's an incident in South Africa um, our last last March uh, where Bangladesh were really under the pump. I think Miller was set and uh, South Africa needed about 80 or 90 to win six or seven wickets in hand or four wickets, five wickets in hand, I think. Mehdi Hassan Miraj goes up to his captain. He had already bowled, I think, four overs for 33 and told him, give me the ball, I'll do the job because Tamim was having a problem with one end. You know, he didn't have enough bowlers. And Tamim was like, okay, fine, you take it. Go ahead. And he won the game with the ball. So he has that streak in him and then combine it with this new, so as I said, 
So they wanted him to open the batting in T20s. He, he tried it for a while, again in the Asia Cup uh, last year. And then he was asked to open in New Zealand in a tri-series with Pakistan. So he later told us that that phase where he faced new ball day after day for 14, 15 days in Bangladesh and then in New Zealand, that paved the way to his you know better sort of upskilling as a batsman. And then he kept it. They, they didn't use him as an opener in the World T20, but he kept that in his mind that, yeah, I can handle the new ball. If I can handle the new ball, I can handle the old ball. So come the ODI series against India, he wins you two games with the bat. He scores 100 from 60 for six, and then he wins you with the, the first game. They were they need like 40 or to win with the last week in hand. So that very clever cricketer. Um, he is a bit, you know, um, very a nerdish sort of talkative cricketer where he explains to you what he's trying to do, but a beautiful figure. I mean, he's like a wonderful package. I, I cannot compare him with a lot of Bangladeshi cricketers because Bangladeshi cricketers, when they do really well, they get a bit moody. They don't want to talk that much. But this guy wants to explain. He wants to explain his mental balance and how he has changed his mentality as a cricketer. He was always a great fielder. But uh, he never got noticed for a lot of things except that first series against England. So I think the India performance and then uh, whatever he's doing right now, you know, these are coming together. And he's a very smart guy. I mean, he took all the things. As you said, he was a very good batsman at the start, but then he lost his way. And then he took advantage of all this coaching and all this this opportunity of batting as a new ball. It's a fantastic thing to do. It's really interesting because... You know, we've got Jadeja obviously on top of the world at the moment. We saw Dan Vittori by the end of his career because he's going to, he should be the frontline off spinner for the next eight to nine years, right? Unless he gets injured or you get a phenomenal spinner who comes through. He only needs to slightly improve his batting year on year and eventually you have maybe not quite a full strength version, but you have a... uh a budget Shakib Hassan, right? Someone who can bat at number six and number seven, uh, who can be a frontline bowler. And, you know, replacing Shakib Hassan with someone else who can do even 70% of that job is probably the toughest thing in, in Bangladesh cricket at the moment. He's really, really interesting. The other guy, I didn't, we didn't see as much of him against England, but I watched him a bit in the, in the BPL and I thought, I was actually disappointed they didn't play him in the one dayers, uh, but he came into the T20s was Ridoy. Now, you and I did a whole podcast about basically where are guys like Ridoy in Bangladesh cricket? We never called it that. But at that point, we were like, they're not hitting it off the square. No one wants to hit it off the square. And certainly at a, at a certain point, someone has to start doing it. He looks like he's going to be that kind of guy, right? It, it, there's a, he has a natural flair for scoring quickly that doesn't seem to be as common in his uh, fellow teammates. Absolutely. I was watching him in the Nets today and he has this... Um... I wouldn't call it a Dhoni-esque sort of helicopter shot, but he just, he, when he hits it over mid-wicket, Bangladeshi batsmen, when they hit over mid-wicket, they have to sit down and play a, a, a sweep uh, to get all the strength together and then hit it. He hits it with a with a bit of a wristy flick, a bit like Mahmudullah does over square leg. So that shot tells me that, you know, as, as you just mentioned, he doesn't have a lot of, you know, uh, colleagues who does this. So he um, he, again, another redemption story. Beautiful redemption story. He uh, played really poorly in the BPL final in 2022. Like, um, I think he they needed four of the last ball and he just hit it to cover. And he really struggled in that last sort of phase and people ridiculed him. You know, even I gave up on him. I said, no, this guy, you know, he doesn't really know how to hit it. It's so small and scrawny. But this is also under-19 World Cup winner. He's a very good manipulator of singles. The big shots we didn't really notice at the at, at first, but this BPL he just showed that 
you know, he can he can bat at 160 and 180 strike rate in the middle overs as well. Um, I'll admit something to you, Jared. We don't really take BPL that seriously, but I think if the Bangladesh players can transfer their BPL form into international cricket and it still works, then I think BPL is still viable. It's a terrible tournament in terms of organizing and administration and whatnot, franchises being, you know, so, you know, lethargic with what they do and they don't really care. I mean, most of the franchises anyway. So I think this is the first time even I have sort of turned back and said, oh, wait, the BPL does work. I mean, some players have come through. Shakib mm-hmm. explained the other day that it's because they picked the best players from BPL, the top five, top six. There's a, there's a confidence there as well. So they've done the job and quickly they play against England and then they exactly do. There's a guy called Ronnie Talukdar who's back after eight years. Beautiful, young, beautiful old player, not a young player. Apparently, Hathra Singer, when he saw him, uh, remembered him from his first uh, first stint as a coach. Ronnie was making his debut then. So he comes in, he starts attacking the England players, gets out quickly, but the whole idea of it was that do what you have done in the BPL, let's see how it goes. And, you know, it, it certainly works. Yeah, I, I, he was he was on my list as well because everyone else we've talked about is young. Some of them, I mean, Lytton Das is a little bit older now, but, and, and you know, obviously Mehdi Hassan is has been around for a while, although he's still quite young. But th- that was the interesting one for me is that it wasn't just they were throwing young players in, right? They were throwing a player in. Not only, I don't know if you've looked at his T, ha- have a look at um, Rooney's T Tony record by year. It is dog shit. <laughs> it is so bad every year. Yeah. And then he has one yeah. good BPL and they're like, okay, well, we're coming up to, we've got a World Cup coming up soon. There's another World T20 in a year and a half. So your age isn't going to matter here, right? We can get you two tournaments. I think he's a limited player um, watching him against England, but he played like he played like one of those guys who's around 30 and was thinking about giving up um, cricket and going and getting an office job. Do you know what I mean? That sort of freedom that you have, we just like, fuck it, I'm just going to hit this ball. Yeah. And I, I was trying to think of the last time I saw an older Bangladeshi cricketer be recalled, which doesn't even seem to happen that often because they usually pick from the same squad over and over and over again. And then, let alone, has sort of had that sort of, that explosion, that sort of Dawid Milan, like, um, you know, uh, Heinrich Klassen, like, blast, right? You can't tell me that those people don't exist in Bangladesh cricket. Bangladesh cricket is, what's that sci-fi movie where everyone over the age of 26 is killed? It's a bit like that Bangladesh cricket at times, right? And, and then you watch this and you're just like, well, no, pick a guy who's in form in your competition and maybe something can happen of it. And look, I, I still think I, that he's limited and maybe he doesn't even make it to one of these World Cups, but at least you've had a shot at him, right? And he does have experience and he does have things he can share with the other players. And if you have so many young players, it's good to have one guy, you know, with his his last job before, I, I was going to say his last job before retirement, but that's a bit fair. He's not, he's not that old, but last job before they, they fire him again and he never comes back. But it does, again, that feels like a slightly different mindset to Bangladesh cricket of the last, well, forever. Mate, Ronnie. Uh, firstly, the the stat that you sh- that you went through, very something something very interesting about it. Every BPL he's had at least one good knock in front of big crowd, in front of the selectors, and they've all said, "Oh, he's too old." It has happened for seven years, and suddenly the selectors, or finally they have, thankfully they have realized that age does not matter in T20 cricket. You guys have written it. Uh, uh, everyone knows that you know it doesn't really matter. I mean, as long as you have the skills, you have the guts. Atharva Singh has said today that, you know, what impressed him is the body language. Uh, really, 
you know experienced player has knows how to you know impose his body language on the opposition you're talking about a world champion team and you're talking about Ronnie Talukdar imposing himself on them so even if it's 10% true it is true so he's done something that the england support staff have noticed the bangladesh team has noticed and the bangladesh team has been inspired by it now his his uh, situation was he was picked at a time when it was still late trust me when he was picked in 2015 we all thought oh finally they have picked him he scored a lot of runs in domestic cricket when he played that one t20 and he was never picked obviously a player goes through that first three four seasons of you know denial that oh i'm never going to play for this uh, for for the country again and in bangladesh you can realize playing for the country is the bol and end all for any domestic cricketer in the last two or three seasons there was one bpl final i remember i think whether i cannot tell you but it was the gale final where he scored 140 or the tamil igbal final where he also scored a big 100 but dhaka were batting dhaka dynamites uh, ronnie was playing for them and he's also scored a quick fire 50 or something and i still remember that we were talking about that look you know he's such a senior player now and he's still hitting the ball so clearly cleanly and he's watching the ball so closely this was 4 5 years ago 2018 or 19 bpl cut to 2023 bpl bats the same way in every match he goes after the bowling um you know rangpur is a very uh, demanding team you know they are owned by the biggest company in the country and they they are champion they have been champion a few times they're the like the most talked about team in bangladesh they like the mumbai indians or the chennai super kings of the bpl so playing for them is already difficult and then he scores runs and thankfully finally someone in the selection committee thought that if he is doing it for rangpur riders which i think is a slightly better t20 setup than bangladesh he should be picked for bangladesh you know you know as i i'm going to repeat that again we never took bpl seriously but maybe it's time we should mm no it's really interesting the, the other thing i got a question the other day and i think i might have even talked about it a little bit on talksport as well before someone even asked this question but you've got taskan ahmed obviously taskan ahmed 2.0 coming through i thought he bowled brilliantly in the world cup i thought he bowled really well against england at time in this tournament uh everdot hasan who you know being his story talking about great stories he is a you know volleyballer with the army or whatever he was um old guy but just a natural athlete he's a hilarious athlete though i don't know if you've noticed this he can only run in straight lines i've never seen a human because he's he's quite lithe and you think oh he should be able to no 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 he will he he he, he turns like a mac truck it takes him about 5 minutes to turn but he's very quick in a straight line um then you've got obviously the fizz is Uh, what would i say i reckon the fizz is about 85% of what he was before he's a different bowler than he was before in some ways but he's still fantastic and then you got hasan mahmood who i i don't know if i'd seen him before this tournament or if i had i hadn't noticed him that much really really promising bowler i love the fact that they just went we don't care how young you are you're going to bowl the back half of the game you know a bit like i remember when obed mccoy when he played for the west indies they did a similar thing they were like no no you're in we're not going to grandfather you in you're not going to get the soft overs you're not even going to get a power play over to see you you're just going to bowl in the middle and at the end because that's what you're good at um that's a uh, that's a group of four people man there's something there no oh, you've just come to my favorite subject <laughs> because uh, they were dead dead and buried fast bowling in bangladesh was done in 2016 7 actually it was the 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 you know the obituary was written by this man himself chandigathur singer he he said he he decided that it should be spin for fast, uh, you know for test matches at home only spin 
and they won against England and Australia, but then they also lost a lot of test matches. D- just to stop you there, do, do you yeah. remember, ja- I can't remember when Jamie Siddons was coach, I think the first time, and they came to England. Yeah. And, and I don't think you were writing for Cricket Info then, but you were probably covering it for the newspaper when Jamie Siddons said, he said to like English journalists, can you put out a message to um, if there's anyone over the height of six foot four um, in England who happens to be of Bangladeshi um, origin? Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's how desperate it was. Like Siddons yeah. was just like, we've yeah. got Mortaza and we've got no one else to go with no him. Yeah. Yeah, and um, Taskin emerged in 2014. He quickly faded away by 2017. And it was also during that time, as I was saying, that uh, Hathra Singha and the team management decided to go with spin because, you know, you can't also blame them because fast bowling wasn't coming through. Mm. I kept hearing reports that, you know, they were lazy. They were, you know, they were not doing the the requirement. They're not reaching the the volume that they're supposed to reach. It was going hand in hand and then it was gone. There were test matches at home where they, they played Shammushar as the only seamer. It was so sad at that time. I, I remember Courtney Walsh doing a press conference in, in the team hotel once. And he was, you know, it was like a, like, a, like, the, the, like the captain of a sinking ship. It was the fast bowling coach. Courtney Walsh was the fast bowling coach and they didn't play fast bowlers. Um, again, it, it, in Bangladesh, uh, Jared, I think you can relate to it. You've followed so many countries so closely. It it starts with one player or one individual. It was Taskin Ahmed who, uh, in this in his desperation to play for Bangladesh, uh, suddenly realized at the start of the pandemic that this is not going to happen again. If pandemic happens and if this thing takes out a year from Bangladesh cricket itself, where am I going to fit in? So he worked his ass off. He went to a mental coach. He went to a gym instructor. They prepared him. He called up people, put them on video call, polling coaches. He went to his uh, garage in, in his parking lot and uh, he bowled there. He did his wrist work. He got back into the team after a good BPL season. And then because he was bowling so well and because Ebadot was slowly developing as well, they started to take them quite seriously. Otis Gibson was the bowling coach at that time. And Otis Gibson is a very highly rated fast bowling coach. And he finally got his group. So he tried to develop it. Then Shodiful came in quickly from the under-19 side. Within a couple of months, he made his international debut. And then you had three or four. And Hassan Mahmood was developing before he got injured. He's very injury-prone, by the way. Um, so, you know, even today, I was talking to a journalist that uh, I think someone was telling me that if only he can be fit for a while till the World Cup. And we we're like, yeah, please, please, God, let him be fit. Because if he's fit, he's going to be, he's going to threaten Mustafi's spot in the team. He's going to threaten Shorifu's spot in the team because he does that job well as well towards the end, as you, as you mentioned. Um, so, uh, yeah, we've got a group going. And Alan Donald, uh, who's now the fast bowling coach, he's maintaining their workload, but he's also giving a lot of time to the second batch. So he wants four others or at least five others to be ready uh, to take over whenever these guys, because, you know, fast bowlers, they will have niggles and injuries. So, I think Alan Donald is the first fast bowling coach in Bangladesh that I've seen who uh, go went deep, you know, who went to the next level and uh, trying to find out. And I think I think Donald is very open-minded. I, I'm honestly sometimes seeing him do what he does in the in the training sessions just blows my mind. I mean, he used to be my hero, but I've seen other high-end coaches come here, top top really good coaches come here that did do their job and all, but Alan just does everything. He does, you know, he collects the cones at the end of the practice session. He does everything. He's really, really, you know, he's into this job. And 
and, and why not? I mean, he's very motivated because his boys are doing well. Mm. Every day they're doing well. They're winning him games. You know, there, there are hilarious stories of him passing messages and they're not, they're forgetting them sometimes, but he has to pass the messages. You see him walking around the room all the time. Was it at the end of the second or the third T20 against England where Hassan started bowling Yorkers at the end and he missed two? And it was obviously not the pitch to bowl Yorkers on. He was defending like 20. All he had to do was hit the surface six times and they would win by 15 runs. And instead he bowled like two Yorkers in a row, missed both of them. One got sliced away. The other one got hit back over his head, I think. And Alan Donald, I haven't seen Alan Donald move that fast since 1998. Getting up off the bench, running. And I can't remember who was on the boundary, but whoever it was, yeah, he was like, yeah. no, you have to get this message across. So you can see yeah. that he's like, it's completely, yeah. it, it, it's a different, it's yeah. different in every way. And he's a lot more hands-on. Here's my thing. You and I have lived through this for a long time. We see Bangladesh. We see a couple of young players come through. We get excited. We go, this is it. This is their time. And then a year later, we're all, we're all sitting around going, why are all these players not as good as we thought they were going to be, Right. Um, or two years later or three years later, or why are they back to being ordinary again? This, the New Zealand series, obviously they've been better at home over the last few years. They had that great ODI record for a long period of time. Not always against great teams, but you still have to win consistently. These games against England, even the last World Cup, there's a few different things coming together now. This looks like it's more robust than some of the other times when we got excited and nothing happened. But, it's still not 100% a solid figure at the moment, is it? Mate, here's what I'm going to share with you. We, we ho- as journalists, we've seen, you know, we've seen everything. So we also sometimes think that it's good that they don't have it 100% before a World Cup. We want that 100% to happen during the World Cup. What, I, what I'm trying to say is, I'm talking like a parent, I think, here. I think uh, it's a bit like uh, wanting them to peak at the right time. I think mm. they are peaking. Even they know that they're not the, you know, the finished material. Um, but but I just I just feel that yeah, one thing after another are coming through. One thing that was very very much missing in Bangladesh cricket for a very long time was, you know, battle for positions, competition for certain positions. Now they have that. They have now openers who can take a lot of these spots with heads held high, not just as replacements. You have middle order batters. Clearly, we have a lot of number of middle order batters who are going to take over certain spots. And then we have a group of fast bowlers and spinners. I mean, no one can replace Shakib Alassan. No one can replace Tamim Iqbal's, you know, class or his uh, record. But at some point they have to, and that time is now, and that time is coming. So already Mahmudullah is out of the uh, test side. He retired. He's no longer the T20 team. Um, but, you know, his one day side is also a bit dicey because he got rested for the series. Now there's a chance to see the others. There's a guy called Yasser Ali, did very well in South Africa in one game. Um, he is a, is a he can clear the outfield. He's a bit you know like us. He's a bit big, but he can clear the outfield. Great attitude, and despite his size, he's a very good fielder. So then you have him as well, and then you have a guy called Mosaddegh who's been doing it for a long time but never quite settled. But he's lurking in the background, so he's also you know in the fight to return. So it's very interesting. It's a very interesting time in Bangladesh cricket. And as I said, I don't want them to peak now. Beating England in the T20 series was okay, but slowly they should go into the World Cup with probably, you know, hopefully all the fit players. But I think it's more important to peak there. I think because World Cups are so important for Bangladesh, so important, you know. 
Thank you very much for coming on the podcast. And thank you to the musicians in the background for giving you a soaring soundtrack as you wedded to your final verse. Oh, that's the, uh, the call to prayer. It's uh, There's a mosque nearby. So, yeah, it's fine. I mean, when you live in the subcontinent, you know, these are very everyday life thing. In Bangladesh cricket, I can't think of anything more uh, relevant than a call to prayer because it feels like we've been doing that since the beginning yeah. of Bangladesh cricket. <laughs> right, exactly. We have to believe we want to believe. And that's what this episode is about. Yeah, uh, and Jared, uh, you, you've made me sweat through this episode because you're so good at your Bangladesh cricket. I just always make you sweat. I always make you feel uncomfortable. And that is how our relationship will continue. Thank you. Since the Nando's as well. Thank you for listening. There is more information on my guests in the show notes. Please support them where you can, but also support us. If you can't help out on Patreon, every single review, share, or word of mouth suggestion to your friend helps us. However, this podcast is made available by the people who support us at Patreon, so thank you to all of those who do. There is a link to the Patreon in the show notes. Red Inker is made by me, Jared Kimber. Nick McCarriston makes the best audio anyone can from random Zoom calls. We also have a great support team from 42, with Rati Joshi on socials, Orijoti Senapia, and Meda Akam producing some of the shows, and Makunda Banredi as the head of YouTube content. Our theme tune is by the Red Cricket. Podcast Network.